Hello, beautiful souls. Welcome back to the Intuitive Kids podcast. Friends, I have a very special friend myself. Her name is Kathy Kerr, and Kathy has gone through my Angel Reiki school. She's been in my Angel membership. She's also been a teacher. She is a retired teacher, uh, having worked as a teacher for decades, and she is going to be helping me from time to time with episodes for the Intuitive Kids podcast. She's going to be doing some interviews So please join me in welcoming Kathy Kerr to the Intuitive Kids Podcast. I really hope that you enjoy her episodes. Thank you so much for listening, friends. Hope you enjoy. Hello, friends. Welcome back to the Intuitive Kids Podcast. I'm your host, Kathy Kerr. It is such a privilege for me to have Dr. Laura Freund on the show today. Dr. Laura has her PhD in human development and family studies with a specialization in couple and family therapy. Dr. Laura combines trauma-informed practices with the latest in child development research to help families find more peace, calm, and connections. She teaches conscious parenting and communication with heaping doses of grace and compassion through her podcast, The The Balanced Parents and her courses and programs. So welcome, Dr. Laura, to our podcast. I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Okay. And I also have sort of my co-host. This will be Savannah and her mother, Amanda. And so welcome, Savannah. Hi. (laughs) Okay. Today's podcast is about sensitive children. And we want this to be directed towards children. And so what better way of having Savannah lead us off? So Savannah, do you have a question for Dr. Laura? What? I'm sorry, you cut out just a little bit, but I'm guessing you said, um, what does it mean to be sensitive? Yeah. All right. So, you know, sensitive is a broad term that gets used in a lot of different contexts, but highly sensitive people tend to be a little bit more aware of other people's feelings. Um, They might be a little bit more perceptive of kind of the emotional stuff that's going on. So like if you know your friends are fighting and they're not really talking about it, you can feel that tension a little bit. Or if you know your parents maybe have had a disagreement, you're like, oh, what's going on there? Um, So you can kind of have just, it's almost like a little bit of a superpower that you know what's going on. And we have to watch out for that because when we know that there's something going on, then we try to fix it sometimes. And that can be hard on us. Um, Other ways you can be sensitive are being able to observe things in the environment. So you might be really good at noticing when something in your house has changed or if you walk into school and suddenly things are different. And sometimes that can make a person feel really uncomfortable when there's big changes or even when there's small changes because you notice the changes more. Um, And sensitive folks can also be more sensitive to the way things touch and feel and sound. So loud noises um, might hurt your ears. Um, My kids who are sensitive, um, the lights at school really bother their eyes and they come home with headaches. Um, You might be bothered by seams or tags in your clothing. Is any of this ringing a bell for you? Checking the list. Good. <laughs> yeah. Um, and what's really important to know is that while being a, a sensitive person um, can make the world a lot to handle sometimes, right? The, it's bigger, it's louder, it's more emotionally intense for us. 
Oh, it's such a gift. It's such, it's such a beautiful thing to have. And you just, all you have to do is learn how to protect yourself, learn how to um, kind of walk through the world in a way that feels good for your body and good for your heart. Um, and then you can really tap into the powers, the positive sides of being sensitive. What makes you shy or afraid to talk to? What makes you so shy or afraid to talk to, uh, did you say adults or teachers? Yeah. Um, I, you know, it's funny. I don't necessarily know. You probably are the one who knows that. So when you think about having to talk to someone new, like maybe right now, or talk to a teacher, what are the thoughts that kind of go through your head? Is it okay for me? You don't have to answer. You can even oh. answer in your head. I don't know. I get really nervous and I don't understand why. So you were saying that you're not exactly sure why you get so nervous. Yeah. I just, I feel intimidated almost because they're older than me. Mm. Are you worried that what they might be thinking about you? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Worried that they might be thinking not so great things about you? Mm -hmm. like, that your question or whatever you need isn't really appropriate? Yeah. So that kind of leans into a little bit of anxiety and worry. But one of the things that sensitive people tend to do is make a lot of guesses about what people are thinking and feeling. And often we we have this experience that we're right. We are we it's almost like we have this like ability to read people. And so often we're right that we start to trust that ability sometimes a little too much and we start making guesses. And if we've had some bad experiences and our guesses start to get a little tinged by the negative. Like mm -hmm. the times where maybe a teacher was having a bad day and you asked a question and they snapped at you. And then you get that starts to filter into your other experiences and it makes you nervous right mm -hmm. and so yeah. does that does that sound right savannah yes definitely. yeah cool so when that starts happening when you start getting nervous it can be really helpful to acknowledge your beautiful sensitive side because that is really a good part of you and then start thinking about what also might be true what do i actually know about this teacher so yeah, sometimes maybe teachers are a little grumpy with me or short-tempered, or they say things that embarrass me in front of my friends. But what about this teacher? Has she ever done this? Has he ever done that? What's the likelihood that that's actually going to happen? So kind of holding up my guess or my worry, my fear to kind of the reality and my experiences with this actual person. Does that make mm -hmm. sense? Yes. And so that can, that can be something that's helpful. And I'll be honest with you, Savannah, that's something that is still a struggle for me today. So um, this is something that you'll get practice with all through your life. And it's a part of, of who you are and learning how to talk with yourself and be kind to yourself. Those things will carry you so, so far, um, even if you always feel a little bit nervous talking to someone who's in authority. Yeah. Um, I, I have some of those same anxieties as being an older person with younger kids, not necessarily children, but with adults. So sometimes, you know, um, sensitive kids are prone to perfectionism. Have you ever felt that, Dr. Laura? Oh, oh yes. <laughs> what about you, Savannah? Do you, do you ever feel like you need to be perfect? Yes, definitely. All mm -hmm. the time. Yeah, we tend to have really great attention to detail, right? So we can really notice when things aren't exactly right. So if we're like decorating a cake or I don't know, what do you like to do, Savannah, for fun? Um, I like to dance or like do my hair or makeup. 
Oh, yeah. So I bet you notice like when just one curl is out of place and you can't get it to lay just right. (laughs) Oh, I know it can be so annoying. Or Mm -hmm. like if you know you made like a couple little errors in a dance that no one else would notice, but you noticed because you're so perceptive. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's hard. What do you do when you notice those things? I think I tend to be really hard on myself because I want to push myself. But I know that everything can't always be perfect, but I still get upset when it isn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, me too. It's okay. <laughs> Perfection is something that ha- comes up um, because we're worried about being accepted and um, wanting to, you know, having things be perfect sometimes tells us that we're okay, right? So if we get these things just right, then that means we're okay. And mm-hmm. if we're okay, that means we're worthy of of love or affection or friendship and being connected and, you know, to our peers, to our friends, to our loved ones is the most important thing for humans. So Savannah, Laura, it makes sense that we would be worried about those things. Mm-hmm. Um, but what's the truth? Savannah, do your friends care if your hair is perfect? Do you, do the no. people who matter to you care? Mm-mm. No. Do they? Does your dance teacher care really if you made a minor error that probably even the judges didn't notice? No. No. They don't care. And if they did, whose problem would it be? Like if you had a friend who was like, "Ugh, don't don't be by me with that hair," it'd be their problem. Yeah, their problem, right? Because it doesn't actually say anything about you. It's more about them, right? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if that helps, but that, that type of dialogue, what we just did back and forth, you can actually do with yourself. So you have your beautiful, wonderful body that helps you in so many ways and is so perceptive. You have a brain that's sensitive too, um, that tends to react probably bigger than other people's brains. Um, And then you have a mind and your mind is the part of you that talks back to you. That gets talking about, oh, she doesn't like me or, oh, they, you know, they're thinking bad things about me. And you can actually start talking back to those little voices in your head and having conversations like, well, if they really think that whose fault is that? Whose problem is that? You know, and you really start having that conversation back and forth with yourself. It's, it doesn't make you crazy to talk to yourself. It's actually what people learn in therapy all the time. And you're getting to learn it now um, in when you're young, instead of having to wait till you're 30, like I did. <laughs> um, you know, I think this would go along with it. Sometimes, um, I, Savannah, I taught school for 42 years. Um, elementary, early elementary. And so I just retired. And, but what sometimes what I noticed is, and it's maybe the perfection, but kids are so afraid of making a mistake. Would that be sort of on the same line, Dr. Laura, that making a mistake or being wrong at something. So they don't, they hold back because they might know the answers or know what their feelings are, but they're afraid to say that. Yeah. You know, and something I just learned about myself too, is that sometimes really sensitive people were so hyper aware of what's going on for other people and learning to do something new. Is it a vulnerable thing that sometimes it feels like when we're learning to do something new in front of someone else, that there's no space or room for us that because we're looking for everybody's reactions, we're noticing what everybody else is doing. And so it can feel really almost like unsafe to do something new, which is so vulnerable with other people watching. Um, When I was a a child learning to walk, my parents never saw me practice. I would crawl into another room and practice walking there. 
And then if they came into the room, I would just sit down and pretend I hadn't done anything. <laughs> it's a deeply ingrained personality trait for me. And I was talking with a, a therapist about that. And um, yeah, I, so I, I mean, gosh, I'm almost 40 and I'm still making, you know, those discoveries about myself. And so, well, that is one thing to just to notice about yourself, that if it's hard to try something new, if you're noticing you're afraid of making mistakes, figuring out what that story you're telling yourself is. Am I, you know, am I really kind of having trouble focusing on myself because there's so much going on around me? Would it be better for me to try this new thing away? So if we're mm-hmm. learning a new dance move, for example, Savannah, having a chance to practice some pirouettes out, off when nobody is watching you. So you can mm-hmm. have that moment to practice and get that feel in your body to get a real sense of what it feels like and then being able to do it in front of yourself or yeah. in front of your friends might be so good. And then... There's a piece of understanding that mistakes are part of learning. We can't learn how to not do something, to do something without all also experiencing how not to do it. Yeah. But man, that's a hard thing. <laughs> okay. I just think this is kind of interesting to listen to because Savannah's brother, who's 12, I always thought he wasn't a sensitive kid. But after listening to this, I think he's actually very highly sensitive because he doesn't do anything unless he's perfect at it. And if he's not perfect, he's not going to do it. Mm-hmm. So this has been very helpful just to listen to. Yeah, definitely. I can see yeah. where you're. You know, and sometimes, Dr. Laura, you see kids that get real frustrated if they lose and we call them, you know, poor sports or they get emotional and we might say, well, you're wearing your, you know, your feelings on your sleeve or, and you need to toughen up. And those are such hurtful statements but I don't know how kids, because I'm sure that, you know, I'm sure that I said it at some point in my life, which I, you know, I'm sorry to say. But Savannah, have you ever heard those from adults? Yes. And I think that is like the worst thing you can hear. And it never would help you. Mm. It just makes you feel bad for making the mistakes that you did make. Instead of growing from them, you just feel bad about them. Yeah. And you feel bad for having a human reaction, mm-hmm. a, a human emotional reaction. You know, I think for the most part, people say those things because they heard that themselves in moments Absolutely. of pain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in hearing that they learned, shut it down. That's not okay. Those feelings mm-hmm. aren't safe. And then we just keep passing that on. Savannah, you probably know this by now, but we adults were still learning and growing mm-hmm. and we just, without Sometimes without consciousness, you know, we just pass things on. We just say the things. I, Amanda, you've probably heard your mom's voice fall out of your mouth before <laughs> without meaning to. Um, same for me. And it and it's really what it comes down to is understanding that, again, folks who've said those things, they have their own stuff going on. They're uncomfortable with how deeply you feel emotions. They're uncomfortable with you showing and sharing your emotions. They somewhere along the line, probably as young children, got the message that it wasn't okay to feel sad or disappointed or frustrated. And they never learned to deal with it. And so when they see it happening in someone else, it makes them really uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And that's sad. Because the reality is, is that those are human feelings, right? And we get to experience the full range of human emotions. And when we try to dampen down the one end, the negative end, do you know what happens to the other end of the range? Right? And we take out 
our opportunity for joy and you know, delight and wonder. We take out all the positive, the highly intense positive feelings when we take out those negative feelings. So it's, mm-hmm. yeah. And you're, you're so wise, Savannah, to know that that doesn't help. What do you think, what do you think parents and, you know, grownups will listen to this too? What do you think we can say to kids when we have that moment of like, this kid is feeling a lot right now. I'm uncomfortable. I don't know how to handle this. And my go-to is to say, stop wearing your heart on your sleeve. Don't make yourself such an easy target, you know, whatever it is. What do you think grownups can say to kids that might actually help? I think the best thing that a parent can say is to validate their feelings and say, it's okay to feel like this. I understand why you're feeling like this. This is normal. And let them know that it's okay to feel those emotions because they're normal. Mm. And as a mother, I'm like a fixer. I want to fix everything. I need to remember just to listen. Mm -hmm. That's the biggest thing. Yes, definitely. Absolutely. I mean, and Amanda, that makes so much sense. You have wonderful children. You don't want them to have an ounce of pain in their life, (laughs) right? You want to take it all away. Um, My daughter just cut her finger. And of course, we want to be able to put a Band-Aid on and fix it, you know, so quickly. (sighs) Emotions aren't as easy as a cut finger, unfortunately. Sometimes we have to sit with them and feel them. And, you know, it's the small stuff when they're little, when we, you know, folks will listen to this when they're toddlers, you know, they have toddlers, maybe it's a cup is spilled, you know, of water spilled, they lost their balloon. Then it's the big stuff. A friend isn't talking to us, a, a partner, you know, a, a boyfriend or girlfriend broke up with us. And all along the way, we've got to learn to sit with it because mm-hmm. it's, that's life. It's hard. Most hard as the parent to not want to try to fix. <laughs> <laughs> I think that was good advice also for teachers, Savannah. That's the field I come in. And sometimes we don't, it's really hard to do that, but we need to train ourselves to stop and listen and validate and help that. Um, Dr. Freund, though, sometimes we would see kids with meltdowns. And I'm sure, Savannah, I don't know if you've ever had one where they just, it's just overload. And I, I've seen that in school, but I've also seen it in my own home years ago. Um, is there anything we can do to help children and kids to, to regulate themselves? Are there some, some strategies or tricks or just something that they could really quick? Because sometimes the adults around them may not be able to help with that. Yeah. So what happens when a kid is having a meltdown? First of all, it's so important for the grownups in the world, you know, in their lives to understand is that a meltdown does not happen by choice. The child is not choosing that. What's happening is very much in their brain and in their nervous system. Somehow they've gotten the signal that they are not in a a safe place and they have been kind of moved down the pathways of their brain and into their fight or flight system system. Um, Fighting as toddlers looks like hitting and kicking. Um, As they get older, they start using emotional or language-based fighting. Get away from me. I hate you. Um, And that's what's happening. So we're looking at it, you know, if we're looking at a kid who's melting down, we're looking at a kid who doesn't have a lot of self-control right then and who is in fight or flight for the most part. And so it's our job as the adults in the room who have a well-regulated nervous system to not join them in that chaos, but to stay grounded ourselves and start meeting their needs for safety to help them get back into the top part of their brain where all the executive functioning and control happens. Um, So for kids who are experiencing meltdowns, it's really important that they offer themselves grace and compassion. 
um, that we, they take a second to just let themselves know that they have a developing brain and nervous system that's learning how to control itself, learning how to process the environment for safety signals, um, and that sensitive kids get more danger signals than non-sensitive kids. So sensitive kids perceive the environment are bigger reactors and they're more likely to get kind of sent down into fight or flight. Um, and so that's really important to know. So there's just, this is just the biology piece of it um, the nervous system piece of it. The best thing you can do is to start looking at when those things happen and what was happening before and solve those problems. Um, so if you are a teacher and you've got a kid who melts down every day in math class, we've got to start taking a look at math class, right? We've got to start taking a look at what's going on in math. Where are they struggling? What's sending them down? If they only really have a problem in lunch when they're sitting next to Jesse P, then we got to figure out what's going on with Jesse P that they're fighting, you know, that they're, she, they're having a problem. And then the other tool that I like the best that has evidence behind it that is soothing to the nervous system is called EFT tapping. Have you all heard of this? I have. You, you have. Okay. So EFT tapping, it's, EFT stands for emotional freedom technique. And um, there's science and research behind it. It's an acupressure um, uh, approach to soothing the nervous system. We have pressure points on our face and on our body. And you can touch them in, um, a, there's a specific pattern. You can, there's so many YouTube videos to learn how to do it. But what's really cool, especially for kids, is that you can also do it on your fingers. So there are points you can tap on your fingers, on the side of your fingers. And if you can just say super simple things like, I am safe, I am loved, even though this is really hard right now, and you can say it in your head, I am safe, I am loved. Even though this is really hard right now, I completely love and accept myself. And you can do this under the under your chair at your desk to kind of get yourself um, back online. Um, so I would highly recommend kids listening to look up some um, EFT tapping videos, um, especially the hand method. You can also do it on like on the surface of your desk that people will just think it's like a little anxious thing that you're doing. Um, but really, you're signaling to your nervous system that you're safe. Well, thank you. I did a little tapping and it does work. <laughs> so I guess we're sort of wrapping this up, Savannah. If you had a magic wand and you could ask for anything from adults, what would be the one thing or is there a one thing you would like adults to know? And this would be not necessarily your parents, but just adults in general. I think I would want them to know that the feelings I'm feeling, I'm I'm not trying to upset anyone and I just want them to listen to me and to honor what I'm saying. And I want them to just come for me instead of trying to fix the problem. Well said. Oh, so well said. I think that was so well said. Mm. Um, Your feelings, that's all what we all want, that our feelings yeah. are real. Our experience is real. Even if it's different than yours, even if you wouldn't be upset in the situation, I am. And that's okay. Mm -hmm. And it makes sense. Oh, that's perfect. Savannah, I want to thank you for making this so easy for me. Um, you are an amazing young lady. And Dr. Lauren, I, or Dr. Laura, I sometimes tend to do that. I want to thank you for being on the podcast. And for all those kids that are listening right now, remember, you're just a kid. And so be a kid. And I just want you to have a wonderful day. I'm Kathy Kerr. And until we meet again.
Want more episodes? Check out our parent podcast, Angels and Awakening. Beautiful souls, if you're super excited to develop your own intuition, go to theangelmedium.com and become an angel member today. Angel membership is for the whole family. Parents get access to hundreds of hours of past course content, new intuitive development circles, events, small groups, and more. And now kids get access to spiritual workshops, pre-recorded energy healings, and live events just for them. Start today at theangelmedium.com. And if you're the family who's really excited, you're ready to go all in developing all of your unique spiritual gifts, kids ages 14 and up can now enroll in my Angel Reiki School with a parent. That's for the healers among us who feel called to grow their intuition to the max and serve humanity with their gifts. You'll learn Reiki energy healing, mediumship, how to deliver angel messages, and how to start your own family business. That's the Angel Reiki School at theangelmedium.com. Details are in the show notes. Now, do you want to do an exercise with me? Imagine God is pouring unconditional love through the top of your head. This unconditional love fills your body with yummy, shimmering energy from head to toe. So much so that God's love begins to radiate out from your entire body, from your heart, like rays of energy radiating out from the sun. Imagine God's infinite, unconditional love flows from your heart to everyone you love, to everyone in your school, to everyone listening to this podcast, and back to you. Your angels remind you they're always looking out for you, guiding you, directing you, protecting you. Talk to God and your angels all day long and listen to your heart for the positive, loving messages they have just for you.